You are listening to LGR Reviews on the Let's Get Ready Network. On this network, we talk about the movie trivia showdown, the first class league, sports, Star Wars, movies, TV, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR Network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show. Finally, finally, we come here to talk about Sean or Shanji. And the legend of the Ten Rings. Not ten. one, not two, not nine, but ten. Hey! There are rings. Ten he has rings on his fingers. No, they're on his arms. No, they're on his arms. He goes, shing, shing. And then they like, he just flails them around and like whips them everywhere. Back and forth. And that's the review. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Get Ready Network. You can find me on Twitter at... Mm. Oh, no. No, no. We, we have a lot more to talk about. I mean, Do we? Yes, there are very important things in this movie that we uh-huh. literally almost, like, screamed and fell out of chairs from. It's so good. <laughs> so good. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure... Didn't we see... Didn't we see it twice in one weekend, I believe? We did see it twice in one weekend together, yes. Yes, we did. Because it was a Universal weekend. Because we never go to Universal. Um, I can't say I've ever been to Universal Studios with you. No, not once. No. Hey, Adelia, how you doing? Good. Because my movie theater reopened, and I got to see this. Yay! Yay! Wait, question: Do you have Taco Bell again yet? No, no. There's no Taco Bell see, there. Your one is only half formed. We need to fix this. This is un- This is unacceptable. I know it is. I had I had Taco Bell today. I know. Um. Yeah, so so let's 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 break right into this movie. Let's crack it open. Let's break some dragon scales and you know bring out the dweller in darkness. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, what did you guys think of this this wild movie? I loved it. It's made my MCU top five. I mean, I really really loved it, and I the thing. I saw it a few days after it came out, so the entire third act had not been spoiled to me miraculously. So I got to be surprised, which never happens. But for sure, I, I really enjoyed it. Maxwell, um, yeah, I was kind of blown away by this movie. I actually I've seen it thrice now, and currently have it as number three on my favorite MCU list. Um, it is fantastic in so many ways that i'm sure we're going to dive into um as we go on but it just it's it's a spectacular movie it hits every note you could want it to and then some and uh i remember a tweet that simu lu responded to a couple weeks before it came out where someone was saying there's been so many trailers for this movie i feel like we've seen the whole movie already and he was like just you wait and that was actually true and now i have hamilton stuck in my head but that's true um (laughs) There are so many surprises in this movie. Like the entire third act was basically not at all in in the trailers. Um, And it was just so nice to see a movie that had so many surprises up its sleeve. And when I say surprises, I don't mean like twists and turns. This isn't like, you know, a Saw movie or an M. Night Shyamalan movie where they pull the rug out from under you. But just the way it evolves in a really elegant and fun way. 
I thought worked so beautifully. I, I am in love with this movie. Absolutely. Um, let me just say, I, I have to echo everything that, that y'all have said. It is in my top five, maybe even my top three for sure. Um, it is, the whole movie is a bop from beginning to end. And that third act, the beat doesn't just drop. It just comes out, it smacks you around, and then it's like, and now we drop. Let's freaking go. I mean, I like um, it when things come out and smack me around. So it stands to reason that I like this. And in the first five minutes, we already have a Maxwell quote. Maxwell had had 2021, ladies and gentlemen. Of the By jury. the way, I would just like to, to mention, Amber, that going forward, uh, I think everyone at home would appreciate it if you actually wear a T-shirt when we do these reviews, because I cannot see that T-shirt. He's peeking out, and then if you zip it up, he's gone. I can't. No, he's always, he's always gone. Oh yeah, you can't. Yeah, see, you can't see me. Ah, John Cena shirt. Um. Anyway, I have that shirt too. I know. We we might have gone to to Super SmackDown. Fine. Anyway, so back on topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So basically, uh, Zhu Wenwu finds the Ten Rings and forms the Ten Rings organization, and over. Years and years, a thousand years, in fact, uh, continues to topple governments and, yeah, conquer kingdoms and do all these crazy things. And then, yeah, <laughs> but it was. I'm so glad you did that. Um, by the time we actually, like, you, you see a whole montage of this. I wish there was montage music, but it's probably not appropriate for, you know, ancient China. Bum, bum, Whatever. Bum, bum, bum. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we, you should score everything, but make sure you're just sitting at a microphone going How do we get anything done around here? So we um, start with, with Wen Wu. We start with Wen Wu. <laughs> Props. Um, so Wen Wu searches for Tallow. It's a a magical, mythical village. He travels through this ma like magic forest. His car gets kicked out of the forest because it tries to eat things or shoots them over cliffs or whatever. Um, and he is stopped by a village guardian named Lee. And they fight in what might be the most beautiful fight I've seen in years. And I am a huge fan of all these beautiful movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Hero and House of Flying Daggers. And you could tell that they drew straight mm -hmm. from all these beautiful oh. Kung Fu martial arts movies and just oh, air dancing. It was a beautiful Wuxia opening to the film. And those three right. films in particular are such a great reference point. Um, and, Truly. and there are other moments later in the movie that, that are clearly inspired by those types of films as well. But, but as, a, as an opening to a MCU movie. And on top of that, with the majority of the first 10 to 15 minutes, we'll call it the prologue being subtitled. It is a somewhat bold choice for a large audience blockbuster in a superhero factory of movies. And I say that with love because I am a noted MCU fan, but it is a factory and they do have to keep appeasing uh, mass audiences in mind when making these movies. And I, I think we're at the point now where Kevin Feige and his filmmakers can take bolder risks that they probably wouldn't have taken in phase one or even phase two. 
like Shang-Chi and some of the things it does and its influences um, are only able to exist in a $200 million budgeted movie released by Disney because of the success of the prior movies in this series. Absolutely true. I mean, all I can say is um, whenever I saw Lee um, like step into stance and she dragged her toe around in the circle, I was just like, shit's about to go down. Shit's about to go down. I hope you don't get mad at me for saying this. Why would I get mad at you? The first time we watched this movie, when that shot happens, the close-up of her foot dragging around and it almost becomes like martial arts ballet, you did tear up. Oh, I'm perfectly fine. I literally I literally saw it was like vestiges of my two favorite of the like these martial arts movies. Uh, Hero and House of Flying Daggers with the bamboo and all the color and just the light. And mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, this is where I die. This is it. This is, it, it's done. Um, I'm glad you didn't though, because I, I would like to keep my best friend around. Hey, I'm working on it. <laughs> hey, but so they fight in like literally what's mo- the most beautiful fight. And it's clear she's got powers and she, she bests him without breaking a sweat and knocks him into a po- like a pond. And it best- goes like this. Splash. Like, I was like, my dear. And then it sounded like this. <laughs> Flurp. Um, but they fall in love. So he, he realizes that there's more to life than power. They, they fall in love in this magical, beautiful love story. And um, the unfortunate part is that Lee is killed when Shang-Chi and Jeling are little. And Shang-Chi gets trained to fight and things like that. Now, we we open from that scene onto San Francisco and Valet's Sean, Sean, and Katie. And we realized that Katie can, okay. can drive. It's not just Katie. Thank you very much. It's Marvel's Katie. Marvel's Katie. <laughs> Marvel's Katie. I can't with that. It's so funny. Marvel's Katie. She's not just Katie, ladies and gentlemen. So that could um, be any Shang-Chi or any Wenwu. But to be clear, this, this is Marvel's Katie. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it is a more generic story. name compared to Shang-Chi and Wenwu. But like the box says Shang-Chi and she's wearing the outfit and it actually looks quite like Aquafina. Like that face mold's pretty great. Mm-hmm. So like what other... <laughs> anyway, so uh Katie is Shang-Chi's Altice Freuden. She is Freuksting und loyal. Can we can we talk about the fact that throughout this entire movie, you know, we, we plunge right into action and it goes zero to sixty very quickly. You know, they're fighting on the bus, they're fighting they they fly to China, and the best airplane exchange ever happens. <laughs> Like, we're out of chicken, so would you like beef or vegetarian? Oh, we're out of beef. Or, no, we're out of vegetarian. And they're both like, beef. Beef. Listen, and for you, beef. If your name is Shang-Chi and you're trying to hide, don't sh- change your name to Sean. 
That would be like if your name is Michael, changing your name to Michael. <laughs> like, hi, my name is Maxwell Haddad. I'm going in hiding, so just call me Max Had. No one will ever know. <laughs> Chef kiss. Uh, Aquafina is absolutely perfect. Like, I, I got the vibe, because I don't actually think she's annoying, but I think that her bit in most things was generally to be kind of annoying. And in this, she was not kind of annoying at all. Like, I thought she was funny and charming and just really great. So, perfect. Um, essentially, we find out that Sean has been trained to fight since he was very young because his mother passed away and was killed by a gang. Um, his sister, Jialing, taught herself to fight. And so they, the Ten Rings come to capture both of them and take their pendants so that Wenwu can find his way to Talo through the magic forest in the water map that comes out of like a, the eyes of a sculpture. Um, wow, when you put it that way, it sounds real stupid. It's amazing though. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to sum this up in any better way. It's absolutely wonderful. It's, so let's it's just so water magical water map, huh? Magical magical water map. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, the best act three of a movie, of like since Endgame, I would say, and it hasn't been that long since Endgame, but I would go ahead and say it was pretty dope. It kind of felt oddly enough like watching Raya in the Last Dragon. Well, and I was like, I was like, is 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 the dragon going to talk? Is the great protector going to talk? And is does, it going to have Aquafina's voice? It also showed that there can be a good live action Avatar The Last Airbender if the right people are doing it. Because it's very, it very much gave me those vibes. And I also was not surprised to hear that uh, Destin Daniel Cretton was inspired by Dragon Ball Z. Doesn't right. surprise me at all. No, not especially, at all. Especially that last scene of like where he explodes the the dweller in darkness <laughs> and like with the rings pops him out of his chest and like everything just dies suddenly. Yeah, that's that's pretty dope. Uh like we're we're hopping all over the place, but it doesn't even matter. Um the the final battle's amazing. Everybody in the village goes like crazy, muck duck wild, and they just start like, you know, fighting each other because when Wu brings his forces of the Ten Rings, because I'm I'm omitting a very important part in the middle. The best part of the whole movie. Um, and y'all know it. But they have made their way to Talo. They fight with everybody. Uh, the, the dweller of darkness and all the soul suckers come out and they start sucking souls of everybody because when we was beating up the gate because he thinks that his wife is behind the gate. He's trying to rescue her and she's, she's not. Spoiler alert. She's not. Um... So the final battle is just this beautiful mixture of amazing martial arts skills, really amazing like visual effects, a water battle on the back of a dragon, a giant. I don't know how would you how would you describe the Dweller in Darkness? I have no idea. Cthulhu's cousin. <laughs> Maybe a bat with tentacles, a bat and an octopus had a baby. And it turned out looking like this ugly thing. A bat? Um, a bat? Uh, the, the, I don't know. Sounds like an awkward, never mind, an awkward meal somewhere. I'm like, what? what? 
um, like sushi you get. But so anyway, um, Wenwu dies because he gets his soul sucked out. But then, you know, there's these really, there, there's really amazing battles at the end. And we learn that just like Lee, Shang-Chi can take control of the rings and turns them from the blue of the power hungry Wenwu to the gold of the, of the people that live in Talo. And I thought that was really beautiful. Um, so it shows that he, he is a mixture of his father and his mother, but he defaults to his mother. Whereas I believe that Xiao Ling can be said to probably default to her father. I bet you if she had gotten the rings for a moment, they would have been blue. How much do you want to bet? Um, but everything turns out great. We get two really great cutscenes. We'll talk about those in a moment. However, let's talk about the big reveal that wasn't surprising, but was totally surprising. They're in, they're in the Ten Rings compound. They are locked away because Wenwu just got really mad at them, like, because they, they weren't going along with his plan. And <laughs> Xiaoling goes off to find the tunnels. And they hear all this roaring and banging and all this crazy stuff. And they go looking to see what's roaring and banging. And they walk up on a man practicing something and turns around. And who is it, Maxwell? Trevor motherfucking Slattery. <laughs> now look. In this moment, I think I ascended to the sky. Because I am a, a big defender and fan of Iron Man 3. Um, it's not in my top five MCU, but it's up there. I think it's really smart and subversive, and I love what Shane Black did. And I was always a big fan of the Mandarin twist and thought Ben Kingsley was hilarious and brilliant as Trevor. I have said this out loud many times. If you had said, hey, Maxwell, put together a list of uh, one-off MCU characters who you would put money on that we're never, ever going to see again in another MCU movie, Trevor would have been number one with the bullet. And yet, here he is in this movie, almost stealing the entire movie away from everyone except for the impeccable, gorgeous, masterful Tony Leung. Um, don't forget Michelle Yeoh because she comes in and Michelle really is fantastic. It's it. fantastic as well. Um, the whole cast is great, but and and what's so great about this movie and Trevor and everything is it it like in its own clever little way gets to have its cake and eat it too, while making fun of and justifying the Mandarin twist in Iron Man three poking fun at some of the MCU fans who were pissed at it in three seconds of dialogue, like ignoring that the Mandarin is ever actually a real thing, which has the intent of uh, erasing some of the problematic racist history of that character. <laughs> Wenwu has this great speech about how Americans were afraid of a chicken dish. Yeah. <laughs> They're afraid of an orange. An orange, and then you have Ben Kingsley here as Trevor, broken out of prison, wearing, mind you, an entire like Shakespearean Hamlet. Yes, uh, oh, Macbeth. It was Macbeth. Oh, I'm sorry, Macbeth. Because he was going to perform Macbeth for the children Macbeth. at the dinner. Uh, recovered from his alcoholism, and he just has like joke after joke after joke that lands. I was laughing harder and harder with delight like if you i, I can't believe look, that we're doing a shang chi review and we're spending 10 minutes talking about ben kingsley but, <laughs> but my god 
freaking Ben Kingsley. <laughs> if you say stay in the pocket one more time, just stay in the pocket. Stay in the pocket. <laughs> I, I had so his much. appearance spoiled for me because I watched uh, somebody's review. I will not say whose, who went, I can't wait till you all see what they did with Ben Kingsley in this movie. And I was like, God damn it, he's in the movie. Okay. I didn't think he was going to be in the movie that much, but he was perfect. The way they used he's him was a major supporting character perfect. in the second half of this movie. Sur- yeah. Surprisingly, like you don't see him coming. And honestly, I was hoping that he would come back. If I, Unlike you, Maxwell, if I could have put money on it, I would have said this was the place. It well, was either going to be. Yeah, it totally yeah. does. I mean, because he's completely like re- related to this entire situation. Absolutely. But this this dude flipping bump, like pops in and he's got this perfect doe-eyed face like. And that's his face for the whole movie. And Ben Kingsley Sir Ben Kingsley is a god in on stage and on screen. And he just plays absolutely goofy so well. And I, I watched an interview with Simu Liu. And he was literally talking about, like, they. it, it was actually Josh Horowitz from, you know, Movie Trivia Shmodan and many other podcast fame. Um, and he legitimately said, which one would you prefer? Would you prefer forgetting all your lines in front of Sir Ben Kingsley or having explosive diarrhea or vomiting in front of Michelle Yeoh. And Simu Liu was like, I would rather the explosive diarrhea and or vomiting. <laughs> and I was like, and he goes, cause I forgot lines in front of Ben Kingsley and I was embarrassed as hell. <laughs> I was like, Oh, now, we can't baby. talk about the return of Trevor without talking about his little his- buddy. <laughs> now we were alluding earlier to how the third act of this film has all these things we didn't see and and they make it to Talo and this is a magical fantasy land with these incredible creatures we have dragons we have weird horses but he was with him first remember but he was, he was in the with dungeon. the character force first in the dungeon named Morris uh how would you describe Morris he has no face he makes squeaky little noises a fluffy pegasus with no face and he looks like this <laughs> and yes this is his front because this is his tush <laughs> he's he's a walking butt but it's adorable he's a walking butt with wings and i love him so much and he makes all these, these little cooing noises and i'm like <gasps> yes! i love it so much and i think my i think one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is they pan over all the dead from the the dweller in darkness and no joke, no freaking joke, you pan up and you see Trevor dead on the ground and Morris runs up to him and starts nudging him and starts basically like coo crying. crying. Yeah, it was and like, Trevor oh. looks up and he goes, like he basically says, this is for the bit, lie down. <laughs> and then Morris goes, and then Morris goes like this. He goes like this. Yeah. It's like the movie. The movie's just perfect. Um, I I love the fact that having having Trevor apologize really, you know, does away with a lot of the Mandarin stereotypes. Um, I love that the MCU really goes out of its way to dispel a lot of what was problematic, and I like before things were ruled to be problematic. 
um, it, it makes me very, very happy. And to see, to see Michelle Yeoh in a, like, to see Tony Leung in these movies that, you know, they helped create, that they helped make popular amongst any audience. It's just, it's magic. They, they are exactly where they belong and they're making it even better. And the fact that Simu Liu uh, campaigned to be in the movie because he got, he got the lead role because he campaigned for it. And I am 100% like impressed by that. And no joke, Katie gets the killing blow on the on the dollar in darkness with like well like the the killing blow that kind of starts the real end of the fight where she like shoots him in the neck and that gives them the the upper hand. Razor Fist is funny as hell and he drives a car that says literally Razor Fist. <laughs> like the tongue in cheek jokes are um, perfect. The fact the, the Hotel California joke. Amazing. I'm going to use that. When people piss me off, I'm just uh, going to start singing Hotel California. So there's something I'd like to talk about that really yeah. elevated this movie to me and why I think it's such a success, especially compared to other MCU movies and other blockbuster movies that we've gotten over the last decade. Um, the fight choreography and the way it's shot. Um, we have such a bad trend in Hollywood and frankly in some of the MCU movies um, of hyper-editing fight scenes, whether... It's because they are hiding the actors who can't do it, whether it's because the, the the filmmakers were not confident in their ability to capture it, whatever the case may be. But here you have fight choreographer Andy Chang and the late, great Brad Allen, who did the second unit direction, who passed away just this year and was one of the only white uh, stunt guys who worked with Jackie Chan. And then you have Simu Liu, who is not, you know as amazing of a martial artist to say Jet Li or Donnie Yen, but can definitely hold his own. And with all of this, you have these incredible fight scenes, like the scene on the bus or the scene at the side of the building, or even like the fight training uh, in the third act with Shang-Chi and Michelle Yeoh's character, uh, where not only can you see what's happening, but it's beautiful in its construction, the way the shots are framed, the physicality of it, the hits you can sort of feel that they hit the action in this movie is arguably the best action ever in the MCU um, in terms of at okay. least the hand-to-hand -hand combat and the like ground level fights. And to me, amongst many other things, that is what elevated this movie to the next level of the MCU. Like just that bus scene alone has like almost Jackie Chan level choreography. Like there's a move that everyone's seen because the clip's been around and in the trailers where he's fighting, his jacket comes off, he keeps fighting, and whilst fighting, he puts the jacket back on. That is like quintessential mid-90s Jackie Chan, Rumble in the Bronx type of stuff. And it's glorious and made me so happy. Um, and there's stuff like little nuggets like that throughout the, the whole movie that, that really just just made my martial arts loving brain really happy because as a point of comparison, uh, another blockbuster movie that came out this year, that's in many ways, similar snake eyes. Um, one of its biggest failings was that you couldn't see what was going on because of how quick the cuts were and because Henry Golding can't fight well enough. So they had to hide him. Yeah. I mean, Oof. I, Adelia, tell me what you thought, like, 
if you had to pick a moment from the movie that like literally sends you over the edge because if it's your top three or top five then <clears throat> moment from the movie that sends me over the edge i really it's not it's not necessarily a moment but i really like the fact that they kept aquafina as katie just his friend I like that there wasn't some like big, huge kiss at the end. Oh, excuse me, Marvel's Katie. Uh, <laughs> at, at the end, I like that the love story in this was actually his parents, even though we only saw it in flashbacks. I like that a lot. Um, but the, it's just so good. I, it's so good that I can't single out one thing more than anything else, really. It, it Yeah, it kind of feels like if I had to compare it, I mean, obviously, I don't want to compare it to. I, I'm starting to develop different lists for the MCU. Like I have in, the ensemble movies, and I have a lot of the the origin stories because obviously this was Shang Chi's uh, origin story. You know, um, my favorite origin story is one that's actually pretty pretty hotly contested, and it's Captain Marvel for me. And I felt the same way watching Captain Marvel. Now, Captain Marvel was not constant action, but it had that tongue-in-cheek quality that really, I, I just really loved it. And I loved seeing a character hold their own. And this took that emotion for me and elevated it and kind of shot it through the roof. Because it was an origin story, but they also managed to really pull off almost constant action interwoven in moments or with moments so like they were able to take and build a narrative but also continue moving the, pl the plot forward and continue giving you that that good action um now i do want to focus on both of the post credit or the mid credit scene and the post credit scene because they're very important Especially with everything we know is coming up in, you know, or speculate is coming up in the MCU. Because we really don't know where they're going. We know something big is about to happen. Because it's already started, basically. Especially if you've been watching any of the TV series. Um, the first portion was them hanging out with their friends. And then Wong comes through with a sling ring. And proves that all this is happening to their friends. And kind of ye yeets them to... Uh, to where, 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 where? I don't think we know exactly where they went with him. I don't. They know went. They, I, I thought I they, went, that to, they went to the Santor. Uh, no, San I thought they went to Comertage. Yeah, but I thought I couldn't remember Comertage. That was my problem. I wanted to say Kunlun, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's Iron Fist, and we don't talk about yeah. that here. Um, that's not a. That's not real. You you only yes. really see the inside of a room though, so I don't think we know it, for sure. It kind of looked to me like some of the places where Doctor Strange was training in his first movie. Yeah, but it looked a lot not. like Comertage. That's what I took it to be. Absolutely. Um, I that, I think they wanted to intone that it was Comertage, but then you you legitimately within seconds you get cameos by Mark Ruffalo and by um, Brie Larson as you know, Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers. And basically, Carol dips as she does and says, oh yeah, ask Bruce for my number. And Bruce is like, I don't have her number. Well, it's it's perfect that Brie is in this as Captain Marvel because it continues the trend of Brie being in every single movie Destin Daniel Cretton has directed. It, every single one. I love it. I love it so much. It, it it's should have great. occurred to me that she was going to be in a, in a post-credit scene because, yeah, 
I mean, if you if if you everyone watching has not seen the film Short Turn Twelve that Destin uh, made, it is brilliant, brilliant movie with such an incredible cast of actors who have all gone on to do amazing things like Brie Larson, Lakeith Stanfield, Rami Malek, um, John Gallagher Jr., and on and on. So, I mean, all I can say is we discovered that. Excuse me. Um, late at night recording. Yay. We discovered that That's the 10 rings do here. are a beacon. No, no, no. They're, they're a beacon. They're calling to some alien race. We don't know where, when we got them from, or how he found them, where he found them, etc. So, you know. And then Wong gives them this nice speech and says, you know, go get some rest. Go. Get, your lives are about to get upended. Blah, 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 blah. And just like at the beginning, which we didn't really discuss then, but <laughs> they have this fantastic habit. They're like, yeah, we should go get some rest. Or, and then they end up at karaoke. And That's like us, end- except we end up doing in StreamYard. <laughs> we end up in StreamYard, or if we're together, we end up either somewhere at Universal or somewhere in Manhattan. Um, cause and havoc. That, that's how many a drink has been had at Marie's Crisis. Uh huh. Tequila and Sprite, baby. Um, but so they're drink they're they're drinking and singing Hotel California at the karaoke bar, and they're all passed out on a couch at the end. And then the second the post is Jaling at the uh, at the compound, and she's taking over the Ten Rings. She's modernizing the Ten Rings, and there are women in the Ten Rings. Hell yes, and. Probably have- a bunch of former widows. Yep. There is a widow in one of the fight scenes, too. Yeah, yeah. and and there is a character still infected with the extremis uh, yep. from Iron Man three, which just another tie to Iron Man three. Yeah. There are a lot of ties to a lot of different Marvel properties. I'm very very happy. You didn't even mention Abomination. Oh yeah, yeah Tim Roth, Abomination back well, and and fighting- he and I know Wong we don't want to are choreographing their fights. It's go great. on too too much longer, but um, to the point of there being a lot of ties to other Marvel movies, there are, but it's done in a way that doesn't take away from the narrative of this movie. Uh, I think Precisely. earlier on in the MCU, like Iron Man Two comes to mind, or even uh, Age of Ultron to a certain extent, they were so interested in putting in things for other movies to set up future installments that it took away from the contextual narrative of the individual film and we're at a point now and this one in particular does it really well where it feels like you like a texture of the universe at large in a way that enhances and doesn't detract so it's well done right i think that actually um in comparison that might be one of the few things that i felt that falcon and the winter soldier really did well there's a lot of contextualization and weaving some of some of the rest of the Marvel universe into it. Whereas, I mean, obviously WandaVision was very insulated. You got a few different things. And then Loki was really insulated because you were literally in CVA the entire time. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier did a really great job of being as real world as you could get after the snap and after everybody came back from the blip and interwove a a whole lot of new things and you got Magic Four. Um, a lot of people thought that this was going to be Badger Four, and it wasn't. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't, you know, rehash that immediately because I felt like that would have been a little bit too much. I'm glad that we got a new location. I'm glad that we got 
amazing new characters. I'm glad, like, I felt like 10 of 10, this movie is amazing. It might be if we're not talking Endgame or Infinity War. And, and I take Ragnarok out because Ragnarok is a very special case. That might, it might be one of my, like, my number one. It's wild. I love it that um, much. There's so many other things I could talk about, like Joel P. West's incredible score, the dope as heck uh, song choices that complement this movie, um, like that the second post credit scene where Jialing does that lean and then that track plays. Um, and I was going to mention this earlier; you were kind <laughs> of alluding to it. Um, all the action is great, blah blah blah. But what it really boils down to is this is a story about a family, and and it's such a I don't want to like like blow smoke up the movie's ass and be like it's Shakespearean or anything but it has those sort of like classic trappings of melodrama the father the mother the sister the brother the double crossing the you know all of it and it's really well done and I really think it all comes down to Tony Leung yeah Simu Liu is is a born star Aquafina is great Michelle Yeoh is great but Tony Leung is incredible in this movie easily one of the best villains we've ever seen in the mcu easily one of the most understandable and empathetic much like killmonger or even thanos to an extent he's a great villain because you fully understand why he's doing what he's doing and to a certain extent you relate to it his motivation is super clear to me the the best villains are the ones where even though they're doing evil things you have to stop for a second and be like well i kind of get his motivation mm-hmm um, and, you know, I think Tony is one of the great actors of the last 20 to 30 years. Um, he has not done a lot of English language stuff or American movies. This is almost certainly his biggest ever Hollywood role, and he kills it. Like, I would love think to think they said was his first big Hollywood role. Yeah, yeah, very possible. Um, he's predominantly made films in China, um, like in the mood for love and all, all this great stuff. Um, but like, I would like to live in a world where he could be in the Oscar conversation for this, for supporting actor. That's how good I think he is. I mean, after, so, and to give it credit there, there is the possibility that it could happen because I mean, look at a couple years ago, we saw parasite win mm -hmm. best picture. So we're seeing a slow trend to less of the, this is what white old men like and more of the, this is what people actually like. And if we were going to trend towards that, you know, I know that a lot of people see them as fodder, but this is a well-constructed Marvel movie. This is a well-constructed movie. And it draws on so many different genres and so many different pieces. It, it's relatable. It's fun. You, you literally feel, you, you can actually, you can actually feel every emotion in the movie. And you literally viscerally get excited when you see, you know, that end, that end moment where he leaps in the air and he's falling and swirling his hands to, to, you know, make the rings more powerful. And then he just flips his fist and everything explodes. And you literally, it's that beat drop. Like it is absolutely stunning. It comes at a beat in the music. It's, I was able to perfectly place it the last time I saw it. I was like, <gasps> well, it was just, wow. Um, the one last thing I want to say is we talked a lot about the opening prologue and that moment where she does the thing with her toe 
And then it sort of evolves into this gorgeous slow motion shot of Wen Wu and her looking at each other, which is then recreated between Shang-Chi and Wen Wu in their big climactic fight. And that to me is one of the most impactful and beautiful moments in the MCU. Because like I said, this is a story about family. And so to see the film bookended with those two shots between mother, father, and then later with father and son, it's really poetic and really beautifully done. Um, I also think that the moment that the Dweller in Darkness is taking Wenwu's soul and he is looking directly at Shang-Chi, he sends him the rings and then he sees he sees his face then and he starts visualizing his face getting younger and younger till he's a baby in his arms. And I'm like, that is so, oh my God, that is like so touching and glorious. It was stunning. Yeah. So... Adelia, you got any you got any thoughts? I think that I can't wait to see what they do with these characters next. I liked the setup with um, Xiling uh, taking over the Ten Rings at the end because it looks like that'll be the big battle of the next movie, brother versus sister. And I think that uh, Menger Zhang, who plays Xiling, did fantastic. <sighs> She's amazing. It's her first movie. Yeah, hard and to believe, it. but. Wonderful. And she fell in love with someone. One, I can't remember what what position this this person had. Fell in love on set of this movie, her first movie, and then earlier this year got married at Disneyland. It's like a dream. wow. Uh, a dream. Young Lee, I looked it up. Uh, an action designer. So they hosted a surprise wedding re- re- reception at Disneyland. I was like, <gasps> that's adorable. And apparently it was primarily hosted by Simu and Aquafina. I was like, oh, guys, that's so cute. <laughs> that's cute. I remember reading but, about that. I was like, eh. <laughs> Right. Um, do we have any final comments before we call this, a, like, before we wrap this? I don't know. It's <laughs> been out for, for, what, three weeks, two and a half weeks already. So you've probably seen it already. If you haven't, do see it. And if you are still hesitant to go to the theater, it will be available on Disney Plus for everyone to watch on, I want to say, November 12th with no charge. Whatever the Disney Plus day is, that's the day it's coming to Disney Plus. I think the 12th, yeah. So watch it. It's really darn good. It's so far away. But I'd go to see it again. I would see it a fourth time in theaters. Oh, my gosh. If we weren't seeing Dear Evan Hansen this weekend, I'd be like, let's go see it again. I mean, what? Anyway. All right. Well, Cinemaxwell from the TV. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell, Instagram Cinemaxwell Inc. You can find me uh, at the Off the Rails Network. We just did a watch along uh, this week of Malignant. Uh, Highly recommend you go watch that watch along because it arguably has some of our best reactions ever, plus a plethora of Chris Clark screams. Scary yeah. Movie Squad is in fact back and Malignant is actually pretty dope in its own weird way uh, I mod over at Video Drew's Network, I was a guest on Live in the Dark a couple weeks ago, check that out if you haven't seen it um, and I compete in the First Class League uh, I just had my fourth match earlier today I won, I'm now 3-1 and one. Uh, so that's exciting, I hope I'll get another match soon probably will uh, and uh, I am a frequent contributor and guest over here on the beautiful Let's Get Ready Network with these lovely ladies. So if that wasn't enough, you can also find me 
probably in a Broadway theater now that it's back open. I'm home again, baby. I, I hear you did something really dope tonight. What did you, what did we do? Oh yeah, uh, I, Amber and I produced a show by the great Preston Max Allen called Amy Adams Wins an Oscar. It had its premiere performance earlier this evening at 54 Below to a pretty much sold out crowd. Wildly enthusiastic response. The entire concert was filmed and will be up on the Famous in New York YouTube channel in the next day or two. I would assume myself and Amber will definitely be posting the links on our social media. And the intent is to turn said concert into a fully fledged audio musical podcast, hopefully in the next two to three months. So stay tuned for that. Really proud of that. Um, I'm so, so, so happy to be producing theater again. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, and I have a incredible new partner. So just getting started. Anyway, thank you. Uh, Adelia, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Adelia Chambo, running the social media for the Let's Get Ready Network. That's everywhere at Let's Get Ready Net, uh, the Let's Get Ready Network website, let's get ready network.com. Uh, we put up match reports and articles, and we have both Schmodown season predictions and NFL season predictions going right now. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun bragging rights and all of that. I will not be winning any of this. Um, and uh, I, I won't, I will screw up the Schmodown predictions in the end. Somehow. I know I will. Let me just say about the match reports that you do as a competitor, they are invaluable in going back to reference both, you know, how who I'm facing may have done in certain categories, but also like when you get the wheel, you can go see how many times it's been put on previous and, you know, reference what questions are asked to get a feel. So your work is remarkable. And I, I thank you and, and everyone watching should appreciate what Adelia does for this community and for the Let's Get Ready Network and website. You are a remarkable woman. Thank you very much. Wait a second. How is Danny beating me now in predictions? <laughs> what, the, what the hell he's oh, very, oh my god he's very excited about it though i'll tell you that much but i'm beating justin and that's all that matters i'm working very very hard this season to beat justin at any game let alone this one so um anyway so i'm takara kanashi uh you can find me on from twitter TV? Instagram. yeah from the tv this is a tv right um some people watch this on their tv uh, Twitter, Instagram, blah, Stereo, Letterboxd, and Twitch. I hang out here at the Let's Get Ready Network doing the gold standard on Tuesdays, except for this Tuesday, because that was not a thing. I was like, need break. Um, and LGR Reviews. Uh, I hang out at the Off the Rails Network. I did hang out for Malignant. I'm not a big scary movie person, but I definitely made a lot of faces like... <laughs> that, really beautiful, we talked about really beautiful faces. Thank you, thank you. We talked about uh, Act Three beat drops, and that was an Act Three beat drop. Let oh me tell you. yeah! And then, yes. and then we were ten seconds ahead of Chris Clark, and every single time something would happen, we'd be like, "Oh my god!" And then ten seconds later, Chris would be like, "Ah!" <laughs> I was like, "This is yeah. beautiful." Please continue. Um, I also hang out over a video Drew's network. I mod and tell Garth to pick that name up, and I mod for Chris Adams. I'm the only mod for Chris Adams on Twitch who hasn't gotten timed out because I'm the best. The other ones are Vernon and, and friggin' Garth. So I hang out with all the same people in the same places or in all the places that I hang out. So it's fine. It's fine. 
But this is LGR Reviews. We're talking about Shang-Chi. Uh, it was great. It was fun. It was real fun. Um, we love you guys. So we have another episode about the what if our like a uh, second set of episodes, four, five, and six. <sighs> that would be fun too. Um, anyway, guys, uh, it's like I said, see ya. <laughs>